Hello and welcome to the Mixera Rap Podcast. I'm your host, DJ B. Wise. This is a podcast where we talk about hip hop from boom bap to trap. We're a group of hip hop enthusiasts from multiple eras trying to bridge the gap in hip hop. My co-hosts are Kev and DJ Reaper. Uh, Kev, tell them where they can find us on social media. It's uh, Mixera Rap and our Instagram is Mixera Rap Pod. All right, that's what's up. So let's jump into it with tonight's uh, episode. We're doing a tribute to our our, our fallen soldier, Young Dolph. We're going to be talking hip hop and we're also going to be doing the flavor. So let's jump into it with our tribute to Young Dolph. All right, and that was our man Young Dolph with his uh, hit 100 Shots. So uh, let's start with the positive side of the of things here. And let's say your thoughts on Young Dolph's career. Reaper, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and defer to y'all, man. I'm not even going to begin to front like I was a Young Dolph fan or could spout off more than one or two of his songs. Wasn't a Young Dolph fan. Didn't really care. Not trying to be insensitive. Rest in peace to him and anybody affected by his death. But, uh, yeah, y'all got it. All right. That's what's up. Kev, your thoughts on Young Dolph's career? I, I guess I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, I'm not familiar with a lot of his music, but I am familiar with his name. I was surprised that I didn't even know he was in his 30s, to be honest with you. And But everything, you know, I have seen, a lot where the majority of stuff I have seen on him was like he was a real good guy. He, he loved his fans. He always gave back to the people there was a um there was a a post uh one of his business partners put out where they said that um he bought up all these properties and he was um like you know converting them into uh like i guess low-income housing or something and uh his two sons he bought them every year for their, their birthdays he would buy them houses so they can um you know add a generational wealth and and stuff like that so yeah, he had the, the cars and the jewelry, but it wasn't like he was just blowing his money. He was actually putting back into his community and and investing in people, not just, you know, himself. He was, you know, he really spread the wealth around. And I mean, like, you know, I didn't even know about giving a fan, I think it was a Lamborghini or a Ferrari or something. I, I didn't even know that. Or um, some young ladies had an incident they worked at a Starbucks or some coffee shop and he flew them out to one of his concerts and gave them 20,000 in cash each. And I'm like, wow, this guy was, you know, he was just great. And I'm, and I'm sitting here like, dang, maybe I should have really paid attention to his music. But like the thing with his business partner, he was just saying how 
he wanted Dolph to rap about the things he was actually doing, the positive stuff. And he said he really didn't really talk on that. But, you know, it's it's just weird how um, some people don't want to really put themselves on a pedestal, I guess, in some way. And it and it's, it sucks, but, you know, I can understand it. But um, the majority of, you know, 99.9% of the stuff I've seen on this young man in the past couple of days has been uh, all positive, a lot of love. And, and it just sucks that he had to go out that way, even though he didn't seem like he was this street guy so it's just it's just sad to see that he did so much and it's like it's, it's like just people in this community didn't love him back but um it's just sad to see and i'm glad he was able to make an impact in his short um time on this planet yeah that's what's up kevin i appreciate those words uh little boosie said something that was really really deep and and prophetic about this uh this problem in um the hip-hop community Boosie said, the people where you live, where you grew up at, are the people that would take you down, whether it be through old beefs, old uh, hatred of one another, or through envy, or just through cats who are wolves, and wolves got to eat. And I think that, you know, we don't know what all the facts are behind his murder, but you know, those are three probable causes to his uh, demise. And uh, like uh, Kev said, he had done some great things behind the scenes and never wanted to boast and brag about it. Uh, to me, he reminded me, you know, I, again, I, I don't think any of us were super doll fans, but he was on our radar. And to me, he was uh, going the path of a two chains where he was an older rapper that came onto the scene and was doing his thing and, and, and staying under the radar as far as uh, the trouble or the hype and uh, just constantly, you know, getting it in and, and putting out good work. And people, you know, people bought his work. It's it's just sad that uh, when you live in your community and then and, and Boosie said, you got to get out, you got to move. That's why he left uh, Louisiana. And he said the same thing based on, you know, you know, Mo3 should have left Texas, DC, you know, D- uh, Dallas, um, you know, the cats up in Chicago that are passing. They, they you know, you, you can't make the type of money they're making and have the type of, uh, you know, fame that they have and stay in your local community where people can put their hands on you. I think Boozy said touch you, you know, because anybody can be touched. And, um, you know. It's a sad situation. Uh, unfortunately, it seems to be quite an epidemic in uh, our thing we call hip hop. So we uh, we wish his family uh, our condolences and uh, really, really appreciate uh, the things that he uh, did behind the scene for uh, his um, his community and his fan. All right. And with that, we'll move on to our next project and we'll uh, I'm sorry, our next segment. And we'll give uh, Dolph a little applause for his, uh, all his hard work. All right. Well, now we're going to move into our next segment and that is talking hip hop. We're going to start this off with Travis Scott, $750 million lawsuit. Kev, your thoughts. It's, it's just crazy because he's the big name star he's going to be at the forefront of this. And it's, a, it's very unfortunate that, you know, 
because his name is attached to it and he's the one with the money, everybody's going to, I guess, point the finger and blame him. But, you know, when you are a celebrity and you uh, partner up in these events, it's a lot of logistics that, you know, that's kind of out of your hands or you're not a part of. So, like I said, it, it sucks to see that he's getting blamed for something that uh professionals who who do this who supposedly do this on a regular basis and they should have coordinated something better but um it's just it's it's crazy because a lot of stuff didn't make sense i mean it's just it's just like it's hard to really have an opinion i guess or to um kind of speak on it i mean you know folks drop the ball and things happen you know and it just sucks. I mean, I I, I don't know. I'm kind of at a loss of words, but I just hate to see that, you know, Travis Scott being the main person, being a focal point when he can't do it all. You know, he has to worry about a performance for the fans. And there are people who are supposed to handle security and, you know, care if something happens or all that other stuff. And you can't put all the blame on him, you know. So... I don't know. It's just, it's, just, it's just so wild that he gets hit with this big lawsuit when it, he might be 15% responsible for it. I think a little bit more than that, Kev, because uh, yeah, that was going to be my next question. What everybody think about the tweet? You know, he tweeted out, come on down. Don't worry about it. Everybody's getting in. That's a little reckless. Yeah, I mean. I mean, but what is he supposed to say? Like, uh not come on down when the tickets were sold. Yeah, he shouldn't have said that. Like, eh. I don't know if reckless is the right word. Maybe, maybe he underestimates how famous he is, or how fame, or how sort of wild his fans are about going to see his show. Because if he was, I would say, even if he was five percent less famous. He could probably say that and get away with it. And maybe people would listen. Maybe people wouldn't listen. But like those young rager kids, you know, that want to go but couldn't afford to go or wanted to go. But the show was sold out or, or whatever. Saw that as an opportunity to go up there and and get bucked. And maybe there were too many people uh, for the, the, the grounds. Uh, but again, that's even another thing, though, too. Even if he says... Come one, come all. The whole state of Texas, I see y'all there. We all getting in for free. Even if he says that, there still should be security there, tight security, metal detectors. You know, they interviewed some of the uh, security guards that said they had just got hired that day or this was their first time working at an event, like a uh, festival-sized event. So maybe they should have hired, you know, more experienced people. There was like a breakdown in a couple of, areas you know travis is at fault yeah travis is at fault for the tweet because like you said reckless is kind of the word but there's some other issues there too without a doubt without a doubt we're not there was a there was a breakdown in a lot of areas this was a a first time festival this was also a co-promotion where uh travis uh had hooked one of his people up to be a part of the promotion along with uh live nation so Live Nation has historically hired people on the day of when they so they have a certain number of regular security that they keep on board. 
but then they also have to bring in people based on the crowd numbers. The venue has security, but they're they're there for the security of the money and the tickets. The promoter is there. Their job is to provide the security for the stage and the artist. So there was a couple of breakdowns, you know, and uh, it'll all come out in the wash when this goes to court. But the biggest issue is who's at fault and and not who's at fault, but where is their negligence? This is what it's going to come down to, because these are civil. This is a civil case. So in a civil case, all you have to prove is negligence. And that one tweet is negligence. And they will be able you know, any half ass lawyer can prove reckless endangerment through this tweet that, you know, your you know, that this festival has sold a certain number to the capacity and that you can't add another 12, 15, 12. Or, you know, I don't even know if it was that many. You can't add another two or three thousand people to the numbers that were already coming. And they chose he chose to make that decision. So, you know, it's a tough one. And, and I and I. I I thought that I think the young man is a decent person and he, he, he's trying to have a, a positive, successful career is just, you know, the, when you're that age, you make you make silly mistakes. And I think this one is going to cost him a lot. It may cost him his the rest of his career. I don't know. We'll see, because I can tell you this, the venue, they take out a certain level of insurance. And that's uh, for their for, for, for these types of situations. There's only a max of certain amount for each event. So I know doing promotion here in Maryland that um, most uh, outdoor venues are only going to do a hundred million dollars in insurance. So they're going to pay out. They're going to pay that whole hundred dollars. Their insurance company, hundred million. That whole their whole their insurance company is going to pay out everybody, whoever they need to pay out through that hundred million. That's that's it. They're maxed out at that point. The promotion because they're new. I don't know. And Live Nation. I don't know how much either of them carry, but they're going to just pay out. Then it comes down to Travis personally being sued. I don't know if he has, uh, they, they call it um, malpractice type of like what doctors carry insurance. If he carries it, he may be okay. But if he doesn't, they personally can, you know, these uh, lawsuits can personally come at him and take away his funds, you know? So he may be, you know, cause uh, he may be paying them, Every song he makes, every everything, you know, for the rest of his career. It's a tough situation. Uh, any last thoughts on that? They can't come after him for every song that he makes. They can't do that. No, no. What I mean is the amount. So, yeah, I get what, you're, just, I get what you're saying. But okay. Saying, seven fifty for the people who died. The 10 people who died, that's that's their lawyer doing seven fifty. There's also people who got hurt. Okay, who are also suing him as well. So his number in his lawsuit can go upwards of over a billion dollars is what I'm saying. I don't know if the young man is worth a billion dollars. So if he loses this lawsuit, he may, you know, everything he does, he may have to pay out. You know, that's why OJ doesn't do a lot of stuff, because the only thing that the um, the young man who uh, uh, his family won his uh, won that civil case against him, the only thing they can't take from him is his pension from the NFL. He literally can't make a dollar or they, he gives it to that family. Yeah, I get what you mean. <laughs> so uh, moving on to something a little cooler. Let's move into it. Drake and Ye <laughs> squash their beef. Thoughts on them squashing their beef and Jay Prince's 
uh, his role in the beef breakdown? I, I think we get, at some point, I think we really have to put uh, Jay Prince on some sort of hip hop Rushmore or put him in a class of biggest hip hop influencer at, you know, because um, I think there was a little inkling here and there of uh, Drake and Kanye probably coming to some sort of resolution. I think that, you know, the Drink Champs interview was kind of like a, um, it was kind of like a little tidbit into like, you know, Kanye, Kanye did mention Drake, but it wasn't like he was talking about Drake like, I really hate this dude or, you know, I want to bust, you know, I want to take all his money or hope he don't sell records. I mean, Kanye was like, man, Drake is, he, he, he really thinks stuff out. He makes it, um, he makes it interesting and all these things. And it was kind of like, you go hard on everybody else, but you ain't going hard on Drake. That, that Something ain't right about that. But um, I mean, I, I mean, I, I like it, you know, because anytime uh, two um, two artists can kind of resolve a, a discrepancy is always good. But I hope it doesn't lead to an album. That's the last thing I want to see is a Kanye and Drake album. I hope it does not happen. We don't need it. Why? That would be fire. Huh? <laughs> that would be fire. What are you talking about? No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. Why would it? Because I'm going to tell you, you know why? Why? Drake rarely works with other producers. Okay. And? Uh, Drake needs to get away from 40. And Kanye is so indecisive in the studio. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Reaper? I don't. I don't. <laughs> I'm trying not to just go off, but you literally said Drake needs to get away from 40. Hello. One of the biggest super producers of all time in Kanye West, that might actually be lightning in a bottle. They might bring out something in each other. And again, maybe Kanye is indecisive because it's just him in the room and it's nobody over him telling him like, look, you need to stop and do this. Look how uh, quick Watch the Throne came out. Uh, Jay-Z was like, look, man, come on, look, let's do this. And then they, they put it out. That, I, But I don't know if, I don't know if Drake looks at I mean, if Kanye looks at Drake as a peer, an adversary, or an OG type of figure. I mean, like, the only way they, they could do an album together, if Jay Prince say do an album together. They'll do a tour together, but if Jay Prince say go ahead and do an album together, I think they could make it work. But overall, I don't think it'll work. I mean, we're only speculating at this point, and... I Obviously, joint albums only come because, you know, maybe they try to do one song together and they just vibe and then they do another one and they do another one. They do another one like that kind of thing. Like, I don't know if any two people say like, hey, let's make a joint album together out of nowhere. You know, it's like as a result of linking up for for one or two things. So and when Drake was first coming out, he had songs, you know, produced by Kanye on his album. And, you know, they did features together and stuff let's just get back to that you know that'll be tight but that was they, that's two different people though what do you mean they're not those they're, they're not those people anymore why can't they be those people now <laughs> do you need to go look at that drink chance interview again <laughs> kanye literally just said no i'm a, i'm asking you huh i'm asking you tell me why you have 
two of the biggest musical acts in history. Like you could honestly say Drake and Kanye are top twenty all musical genres in all of music ever. And it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a reap. So you got those two you got that. You got two big egos. You got two men who actually delayed their albums just so they could compete with each other. And now all of a sudden they had this resolution. No, like it was like I, I saw an article up uh yesterday. They said that with the Drake and Kanye uh beef ending, what about Pusha T? What happens to Pusha T now? And I'm sitting there like, what does happen to Pusha T now? <laughs> Cause no one cares about Pusha T. Ah I, I, I can't say that. <laughs> Say that. Like every week, like clockwork, shots fired. Like, and again, if Pusha T's listening, I've got no issues with you, man. The Clips Records bought them all. You know, I can actually side note. Remember going to buy the Clips record from the store as a I don't know twelve or thirteen year old, and I picked it up and took it to the register. And the guy looked at me. He said, "What you know about this?" And I'm just like. Obviously, I'm trying to buy it. He was just like, should I let you buy this? And I was like, here, man, take this cash and get out of my face. And he go ahead and let me bought the record or whatever. But like, so I've got no personal issues with Pusha T. But what I'm saying is the consensus in hip hop music. Yeah, he dissed Drake and they, you know, had a back and forth spout and he wanted to be blah, blah, blah. He can rap, blah, blah, blah. But the consensus, no one cares about Pusha T. No one cares. I can- and what I'm saying, what I'm saying is. Uh, uh, Drake and and uh, what's his name? Kanye West have worked together multiple times in the past. If Jay-Z can say what he said about Nas and Nas can say what he said about Jay-Z and they can come out on stage together and presidents to represent me and then go on to record three or four features together in the years following, Jay, uh, Drake and, and Kanye can get back together and do some work. Like, to quote the great one, what's beef? Beef is when you need two gats to go to sleep. There was none of that here. No one's dead. They didn't they didn't talk about leaving condoms on the baby seat. You know what did you know what would you know who between me and you? They didn't say any of that stuff. They're just I doubt there was any beef at all. They were just two, like you said, quote unquote ego dudes just being petty. Like, I, 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 I want to say that's come a on. bad comparison. I want to say as a bad person because in my mind, I don't feel like, just like you said, you don't think it was big as everyone made it out to be. And 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 I can totally believe that. And I can think that it was just two dudes who, who couldn't sit in a room because they knew that other people would say something. But it was just like, you know, Jay-Z was saying what he was saying about Nas's ex-girl. I mean, at the end of the day, it was his ex-girl. And and Nas responded because Nas had to respond. Like, I mean, really, he really didn't care, but he just responded because he had to because at that time, him and Jay were one and two. That's the only reason he responded. I mean, in my opinion, but I don't know. I I, I don't know if... But what I'm saying is there, there there wasn't even a diss track. Where's the Kanye diss track that... uh... Drake dodged or that he's been ducking or I will give you that. I don't 
Kanye didn't actually give a, I guess, a quote unquote diss track to um to Drake. I mean, some people say there was some between the line stuff. It might have been. I don't know. I, I I really don't listen to Kanye's lyrics like that to be figuring out if he's talking about somebody because I mean he's kind of like all over the place now. Um so it's kind of like it's kind of hard to decipher his lyrics. It's just, his interviews are better than his songs. So you're you're right on that, but I I just still don't see how they can have that chemistry in the studio now. Maybe in a few months, but I don't like I don't know about now. But <laughs> that's just my opinion. That's my opinion. All right, fine, fine. That's your opinion. Fine. <laughs> I don't know why I'm arguing with you about your opinion. You know, I think that uh, a good producer like 40 could put these two in separate spaces and separate cities and separate states. No. And make a hell no. of an album. No. Hell of a. 40's Drake's boys. No. Nah, <laughs> And if you're trying to make a the joke, the advantage goes to Drake. It would have to be a neutral producer. I mean, Forty is going to be involved if if they do something together because Forty knows how to make Drake sound like Drake. But if you want a good joint album, they're going to have to be in the same space. And like I said, that's only going to come if they're in the same space and they vibing off each other. Like they aren't forced to make a joint album. Like we're talking about, just are they going to work together at all? I mean. They could, I mean, but they could not work together. They could be like, all right, well, we're back on speaking terms, but yeah, maybe we can. If that concert goes well, I think there will be rumblings over a joint album. Maybe, but like I said, one one thing at a time, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No doubt, no doubt. Let's get Watch the Throne 2 first, and then we'll worry about a Drake and Oh, God, don't say that. Don't say that. Jay said it himself. Look, if you sit up here and tell me that you don't like Watch the Throne, we can end this podcast right now. It was okay. I don't want it to. Tell tell me that you don't like it. Say those words. Okay, so when you say don't like it, you mean... Tell me that you don't like Watch the Throne. Let me hear you say it. It It got too many bangers on there not to like it. All right. All right. No doubt. (laughs) But I don't want a sequel, though. I don't want a part two. That's fine. That's fine. You don't want to spoil the whatever. That's fine. But uh, I tell you what, if they put it out, you're going to listen to it. Out of curiosity, yeah. But I I, I mean, I I put you like this. (laughs) If you ask me who, you know, if you ask me who's the hottest rapper right now in the game, my answer will surprise you. Who? Who's the hottest rapper in the game right now? Cardi B. No, man, take that that explosion off. That is not explosion worthy. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I criticize her a lot, but she's the best right now. I would she is the best right now. And I mean, and again, that's a whole nother rabbit hole, but like Megan is above her because Megan is putting out more stuff. Cardi B keep getting pregnant. She never gonna drop another album. <laughs> like she can't be the hottest out right now because she just not releasing. Megan nothing. puts out more music, but Megan cannot rap better than Cardi B. I'd argue that man. They're neck and neck, man. Like they're yeah. I yeah. I I'd, I'd look at them, do some a track by track comparison. 
but I'd I'd argue that I wouldn't just give you that. I mean, I think I think I think you know, Megan gets more love than Cardi. To be honest with you, because I don't think Cardi has a Grammy yet. Who cares about the Grammys? I mean, together though, didn't they get one together? That's together, but Megan got um, she got the rap one, and then I think she got best new artist or something. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, last year or something. She won like two or three last year. Who cares about the Grammy? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I mean, yeah, who cares? I mean, the Grammys? The Grammys? They gave Macklemore a Grammy. Look, I'm from the age of when the first rap Grammy came out. I remember all the rappers boycotted. Even Will Smith, who won it, he was outside boycotting the damn <laughs> Right. Right. And he was on uh, Jimmy Fallon last week claiming, like, oh, yeah, we won the first rap Grammy and stuff. He fails to to acknowledge that he boycotted accepting the award all these years later. As I, are we going to – we might have to talk about Will Smith at some point, but not today. <laughs> we'll have to do it today. Like, that's literally who cares about the Grammys. <laughs> hey, we, we you know, we got it. We're ending off the year in December. And we haven't done an old school artist in a while, Cap. So it's up to you guys. But I'd be, I'd have no problem doing one about Will Smith. That's something to talk about. Yeah. And just uh, FYI, Cardi has a Grammy Award for Best Rap Album, Invasion of Privacy 2019. Okay. So Cardi's got one, but Megan's got three. But of the three, two of them she got with Cardi. So they're even, actually. Now that I think about it, they got two together. Uh, Megan got one by herself, and Cardi got one by herself. So they, they have three apiece. All right? <laughs> so that was our conversation. Uh, talk pop. And uh, now we're going to move on to the flavor. All right, and we're going to start the flavor off with our man Reaper's pick, and here we go. Yeah, it's a simple question. Do you got it or not? I've been talking to God about the garages for the crib that I still have on my boat. Rocking my thoughts, going too fast, and I rational. I need the 42 on the rocks. Wait, up. I'm the ambassador, meaning the gas of the land. I came from making rain and the money looking like ransoms. And my brain always stated the man the answers. I've been feeling like I fight it with my thoughts. And the motherfucker. In the lot, punch in the bag while he listening to the box. Uh uh, I'm about to get my shit right. Uh uh, I need to call up my pops. I'm killing the pain, I'm feeling the change. I'm a villain to once I want to show. All right, and that was DJ Reaper's pick. I'm trying to, I forgot what the song was. <laughs> um, New Tooth by Rich Brian. Thank you, Reaper. I'm sorry. Uh, the, it, my screen went blank on me. Uh, New, new Teeth, New Tooth by Richard Bryan. And uh, let me just jump in and say, man, that piece of work was excellent. I enjoyed it. I thought his flow was really, really good. Um, the beat was simple at first, but then the transition into that, that, that better, that, that I thought a better bridge and man, uh, he ended it off just straight fire. I, I enjoyed it, man. I definitely got to find out what's up with this young man. That was, is that a, is this one person or is it a group Reaver? No, it's just one person. Oh man, he was on fire, man. That I enjoyed that. Uh Kay, what are your thoughts on that? 
I, I liked it. Um, just like you were saying with the um, the switch up at the end. Well, yeah, I really liked that part. Um, yeah, I, I want to check it out because it was this part about his flow. I was like, I, I, I need to hear this again because it was just, I really liked the way he was just flowing and, and, and the beat was just perfect to his style. So, yeah, it was a good choice. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Definitely was an extremely good choice. So, uh, Reaper, why did you choose this for the flavor? Uh, so, yeah, for those, the uh, uninitiated, Rich Brian is a rapper from Indonesia. Um, you know, I live in Asia or live in China and uh, or China is Asia, whatever. Um, but Rich Brian is a pretty big deal over here. He's signed to a Asian collective called 88 Rising. Uh, they also represent some South Korean artists, some Chinese artists. And um, Rich Brian started as like a like a viral kind of uh, content creator, doing a lot of short, funny videos, comedian kind of stuff. And one of his uh, personas was just like an ironic Asian rapper. And uh, he put out one or two sort of like joke songs, maybe like 2016 or 2017, that actually turned it out to be uh, bangers. And then he developed more and more and more and more. And... Um, he put out a record called Yellow, was it last year or the year before? And it got like really high praise. So it was like an interesting sort of thing, like a guy that just liked rap, but was more of a comedian, but then was just like, well, I actually can rap. Let me develop this. Almost kind of like uh, Dave Bird, you know, Lil Dicky, almost kind of like that same trajectory. And uh, and the cool thing about it is he's only 21, so he's... Uh, still showing that he's got a lot of uh, development or ideas or, you know, as he grows into like a man even, because when he put out that other stuff, he was just a teenager, you know, so. But let me ask you this. Is it unusual for, um, I guess, rappers or musical artists from over on your side to perform in English and not in their native language? So Rich Brian is an interesting case because... Uh, you know, he speaks uh, his native tongue, like in his life, obviously. But I don't think he has any raps that are not in English. He only speaks English on his raps. And that was also a, a point when he first came out. He was like, uh, he said he, he learned how to speak English from rap music and from just watching YouTube videos in his free time kind of thing. So that was also part of his like novelty when he first came out because all of his comedy videos and stuff are in English, too. So uh, I think that's pretty cool uh, that he could do that. But as far as like Asia overall, sometimes it's looked at as just like, I mean, think about it from our perspective. Like there was a point in the 90s where people were getting tattoos of Chinese characters just because it looks cool or it looks foreign or it looks like mysterious or whatever. It's the same thing over here, but opposite, you know, like everybody speaks Chinese or everybody speaks Japanese or Korean or whatever. So it's cool to put something in English on your, on your t-shirt or on your album or on your whatever, because it's, it's foreign because it's, you know, um, I remember like, le yeah, like last year there was a, uh, I think it was a group out of Japan and they had this album where like their beats, they, they, they sung in it. I mean, they rapped in their native tongue, but they had these beats like, these very Jake Dilla Tribe Called Quest beats. And I listened to that album for like two weeks straight. 
and for some reason I never downloaded it <laughs> and I can't remember for the life of me who this group was but I love this group though for these two weeks that's all I listened to for two weeks and I, and I and I still can't remember their name and it's, and it, to this day I'm still looking for this this album <laughs> that I listened to last year well yeah uh like I said Rich Brian is a pretty big deal over here and uh almost anything he puts out you have to at least give it want to listen for the purposes of like the clubs and stuff so yeah yeah that's what's up all right now moving on to uh my pick and here we go got a bag i can't bag yet because it's still wet people man i pay him a visit ain't paid his bills yet brain hemorrhage blunt force trauma i make him feel that i rap and seal that send out the brief to head the nike swoop stamps i'm just doing it for the camp nigga showed him to the plug now he's shopping behind my back uh, one thing about that bitch karma she coming back if you trapping keep a strap close nowadays the shit became a tree and a snake your homies out because everybody back though but everybody black though i let the fiends catch a beam used to vomit off the second hand crack smoke nigga got that ptsd from testing all right and that was my pick Freddie Gibbs featuring Jada Kiss with Black Illuminati. Let's jump into a Reaper. Your thoughts on my pick? Not a fan of using the word Illuminati so freely, but that's another story for another day. Um, song is cool. It's whatever. Um, I was really uh, lyric listening because I could tell it was Freddie Gibbs and uh, Jada Kiss there on the end. Uh, Nothing super standout-ish, which is a little disappointing, but uh, yeah, it was cool. I mean, nothing particularly good or bad, I want to say about it. All right, that's what's up. Kev, your thoughts? I, I, I want to like it, but I'm on the fence. Um, I'm a huge, huge Freddie Gibbs fan, and it didn't, I don't know. It just I just couldn't connect to it. It didn't sound like something he would do, but... I guess that's that's part of that, you know, that growth or that stepping out of your, um, I guess, what he's used to. I don't know. I I don't know. I need to spend it some more just to really kind of get a feel for it. But right now, I'm, kinda, I'm just really, really on the fence with it right now. All right. I feel you both on that. Uh, for me, man, I picked this joint because uh, I know we normally try to break uh, – you know, artists that people haven't heard before on the flavor. But uh, as I go through my weekly music listening, um, you know, Freddie, I've always said that I think he's the next dude in the gangster or street hustler world. And uh, I think, you know, he and Benny Butcher, Benny the Butcher are, are going neck and neck. And, I, I'm, you know, things like this, as far as I'm concerned, is showing uh, Freddie's growth. And that's why I chose this. Uh, he, he put he, he extended an olive branch to Jada off the hotness of him and his uh, verses. And I'm like, got to show them some love for that. Again, the flow was nice. I don't know if the beat was the greatest, but uh, I thought that they complemented each other well. And that was my biggest reason for uh, choosing this one. I, I've spent this probably about three or four times. And I, I enjoyed it every time. I just thought that they really, really complimented each other very well. Because I imagine Freddie doing some collabos with other artists. And Jada was never one that I would pick. You know, I wanted him to do some stuff with Ransom. Uh, 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 I wanted him to do some stuff with uh, Key Glock and also Locksmith. Those are some of the cats that I, I've been listening to, underground cats I've been listening to. And I thought that they would do well in a collabo with him but never thought of Jada. So I thought that this was definitely uh, 
a nice, it was a nice surprise for me. So I'll leave it at that. It was just an, a really nice surprise for me. And now we're going to jump into Kev, our anchor man's, and we're going to do his pick. And here we go. Yeah, yeah. All right, and that was Sincerely Yours by our man Joel Ortiz. I'm going to jump in on this one first and just say I appreciate Kev for giving Joel his uh his flowers. Uh, he doesn't get talked about enough. Uh, I love this dude. His his rhyme flow is uh, uh, double entendres. His wit is just immaculate, man. He's he he's he's he is just. I I love the dude. I appreciate him bringing this to the table. Uh, I I wish he would get more love than he does. I mean, he. It was always a joy listening to him on those Slaughterhouse uh, records that came out. You know. It, he just everything that he's put out probably over the last four years has just been excellent for me. I really, really appreciate him. I didn't appreciate him near as much before Slaughterhouse, but then I picked up, you know, I got I got on board and, and figured some things out and was like, oh, that's why this dude is special. So for me, I really, really appreciate it. And this was probably one of my favorite cuts uh, of, of this uh, um just because, again, my sentimental. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that uh, Rich Bryan has got mad, mad talent, but Joel is is my man. So, uh, Reaper, what are your thoughts? Yeah, the track wasn't bad. It was uh, the brightest sounding track that we had today, and uh, it sort of reminded me of the early Logic stuff. A lot of his stuff was brighter. Uh, I don't want to say positive, but, like, brighter is the best word. And... Uh, the flow matched the beat, the the vibe of the song. So yeah, I uh, I like that one. Yeah, that's what's up, man. I appreciate that, uh, Reaper. Let's jump into it, Kev. Why did you choose Joel Ortiz? Sincerely yours. It's Joel Ortiz. Um, uh, huge fan. Um, it it it's you know it was something he said in the song. It was like you know people would say whatever they want about the underground, and but he's still underground, which. I think it is a uh, is a blessing in disguise because if he was mainstream, chances are you know someone would be trying to guide his music in another direction instead instead of letting him having more freedom that he does have. Um, and, and I think he puts out better music like him and Crooked Eye. Uh, they had a um, they had a joint album last year. Uh, Crooked is featured on this one too. Um, so. You know, you don't hear his name a lot, but he still is still putting out music and, you know, he still sounds good. Um, and, then, you know, I'm, I'm always going to be a fan, you know, since the first time I heard him. So I'm just happy that, you know, he still can put out stuff and still sound good and still be able to have that freedom to do what he wants to do. And, you know, I'm, and I'm just going to enjoy it. Yeah, I feel you on that one, Kevin. Again, thank you so much for bringing those flowers to my man. He's just that he's just that dude, J.O. in the building. And that was the flavor.
All right, so let's get into our uh, our, our our ending of, uh, of this podcast. And let me say, I'd like to thank my co-host. Really uh, enjoyed this conversation. You know, we look forward to presenting you some more information going into the future. We got a lot of things coming up. We got interviews. We have uh, a live um, podcast coming up very soon. Uh, definitely keep following us. And 2022 is just going to get bigger and better. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Uh, you can follow us on social media. Check us out. Uh, Kev, tell us where they can find us at. Uh, Twitter is uh, Mix Air Rap. And on Instagram is Mix Air Rap Pod. All right. That's what's up. Uh, Reaper, tell them where they can follow you on social media. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Mix Cloud. If you like DJ Mixes at the 313 Kid, T H E 313 K I D. Definitely look out for Reaper on that uh, mix cloud. I'm telling you, you won't you won't be disappointed. He's got mad mad skills. Again, we just like to thank the fans and and uh, and uh, really tell you how much we really appreciate you. Keep tuning in. We out of here. Peace. <laughs>